had a bit of a uh, shocking moment uh, over the last couple of weeks when I turned on the radio and I heard the little drummer boy play. And I thought, oh no, we've come to that point in the year. Now, I've got a confession, the little drummer boy is actually my favourite Christmas carol, uh, but uh, we don't play it at church because the little drummer boy is not in the Bible, just in case you've never worked that out. But uh, I love the little drummer boy, and in fact, because I said this at 9am, just before church, you would have heard Ben doing a little of the little drummer boy just to welcome me in. Uh, but uh, what struck me was not that I was excited to be singing along to the little drum boy, it's it's that time of year again. It's November already, and you can debate whether it's too early to play Christmas carols or not, but it does tell us uh, it's that time of the year. And in our church life, uh, we do this in November, just once a year. Uh, I get up and share a little bit about what we call our Vision Sunday. We take a, a week out of our normal sermon series. We'll be back to Two Kings next week. Uh, just to remind ourselves what we're on about as a church, to have the opportunity to thank God for what he's done over the past year and to just look ahead to what under God we're planning to do in 2023. So that's what we're doing today. So this isn't going to be a normal Sunday sermon in that sense. Uh, there's going to be a few different elements to what we do today. First, we're going to have an opportunity to just pause and uh, give thanks to God. Then I'm going to open up that passage from 1 Peter 4. So keep that there, but we're going to get to that a little later on uh, and reflect on what we're on about as a church and what it means to be a part of our church. Uh, And then thirdly, I'll share some plans and key things for next year. So hopefully that sounds like a plan. So first thing is, I want to praise God for what he has done this year. Uh, Our vision statement as a church Uh, is really very simple. It's just a very simple distillation of what the Bible says any church should be on about. I always worry if a church thinks they have a groundbreaking vision or something like that because God has told his church what they should be and what they should do for 2,000 years in the scriptures. It doesn't change. So our vision statement is very simple. We exist to glorify God. That's what we're on about. Uh, We are here so that people will give the honour and the glory to God that he deserves. And we do that especially in three ways, and they're not rocket science. The first is, we proclaim Jesus. If the only way to know God is through trusting in Jesus, if the only way to find God's forgiveness is through trusting in Jesus, then nothing is more important than telling people about Jesus. Isn't that right? Yes, I hope you agree. That's why proclaiming Jesus, front and centre, everything we do. Then secondly, though, we grow disciples. God wants every one of us not just to come to know Jesus God wants every one of us to grow to be more and more like Jesus so again that's why teaching the Bible is the center of everything we do so that every person can grow in their knowledge of Jesus can grow in their love of Jesus every person can can, that's why we make such a big thing of gospel teams that's why it's so wonderful that just about every person at St George North is a part of a gospel team because that's where we get together, read the Bible together, encourage one another, pray for one another. That's why we focus on the Bible in our youth ministry, in our children's ministry. We grow disciples. Then thirdly, we're on about serving together. We are convicted from the Bible that God gives every person in his church gifts. Every person, the scriptures say is given gifts by God that we must use to build the body of Christ. That is his church. So that's our vision as a church, that is us together. We exist to glorify God, we do that by proclaiming Jesus, by growing disciples and by serving together. Well, how have we seen that happen this year? 
Well, can I tell you, there have been some wonderful encouragements in all those areas this year, uh, and I'm just going to share a couple. The first sounds really plain, but I just think it's wonderful that so many of our ministries have just happened this year. Isn't that amazing when you think about the last couple of years? So many of our ministries have actually just happened. Uh, so it sounds silly, but just the fact we've already had the chance to proclaim Jesus uninterrupted by lockdowns, we've had the opportunity to serve together, uh, we shouldn't be slow to give thanks to God for that. We should actually realise that some of these ordinary things are worth praising God for. So just the fact that jitterbugs, our outreach to mums has, and, and young toddlers has started up again at Bexley North is wonderful, it didn't happen. For a couple of years, that snack youth is thriving on a Friday night, and that our teenagers actually got to go away on fit camp, which is so foundational for our our youth to, to those camps that they go on. It's wonderful. The kids plus, I I avoid coming up here on a Friday afternoon, uh, but if you ever just come up and stand outside the gates, the kids plus every Friday afternoon on Friday had over a hundred kids again at kids plus. How wonderful is that? A hundred kids coming from local schools to hear the good news of Jesus every week, that English for Life has been continuing on a Friday morning. Just the fact that week in, week out, nearly every member of our church meets in a gospel team, encouraging one another, praying for one another, learning together. Many of those things are so ordinary, but I actually think we should just praise God that we're able to do them and not take them for granted. Praise God for it. And if the last couple of years has taught us anything, it's not to take those wonderful things for granted. But now, I just want to share some particularly encouraging things with you. Do you know that in January, I won't tell you the date, in January will be my 19th birthday at St George North. Do you know that? There you go. That's nicer. I didn't get any response at 9am. But uh, 19th birthday at St George North. Uh, that's not the encouraging fact. In fact, you might find it discouraging. But, but I share it to say I've got 19 years of comparison to go on. I've got 19 years of of comparison data, if you like. Here's what's encouraging. Uh, Firstly, this year, which isn't over, this year has seen, numerically speaking, more new people come to one of our church services than in any other year. Isn't that amazing? More new people have come to, just I'm just talking, have come to one service. More importantly, though, it's that more of those people have locked in and joined our fellowship. Uh, That's the wonderful thing. So just to give you some information on that, just over the last four months at 9am and 10.30 here at Carlton, just over the last four months, a total of 77 new people have come. Isn't that amazing? So now some of those are visitors, family and friend who just come for one week because they're, they're dropping by or that sort of thing. But how wonderful that some of them are people who don't know Jesus and hear about Jesus for the first time. How wonderful that some of them are people looking for a church to join and have joined in fellowship with us over this last little while. Even more amazing, at 6.30 church this year, and the year's not even over, 154 people have come for the first time to our 6.30 congregation. Can I get an amen or something? You know, like... (laughs) When, when I went to Kenya and preached there, I'd get up and say, hi, I'm Phil from Australia. they go, oh, man, you know. Here I say, 154 new people have come, and I get, oh, oh there, you, there you go. Give me an amen on this, you know. Now, again, many of those are visitors who've just come once, but this is how wonderful. 18, 18 of those new people have joined in at St. George North this year, and by that, they've joined a gospel team, so they've really become a part 
of church. How wonderful is that? And some of those have become Christians. Some are uh, Christians who've come and joined in, but some are non-Christians come, heard about Jesus and are now week in, week out a part of God's people. Isn't that wonderful? Praise God. And I could tell you other great stories from our other congregations as well, including new people, and I think people have become Christians, joining our little Wednesday communion service I run at Bexley. It's only about 20 of us. But uh, I think there's one or two people there who have come new and become Christians through that. Isn't that amazing? People in our world, thank you for, yeah. People, people in our world want to tell you the church is dying. Well, bring them to your church. Show them that they're wrong. Show them the, the, the church is alive and well because nothing can stop the gospel of our Lord doing its work. Which is what Jesus promised, isn't it? Which brings me to an even more encouraging thing to share. I want to talk about what God has done through the life course you may think sometimes, oh, well, do they ever shut up about the life course? And I want to say to you, no, so bad luck. So, uh, because we're on about proclaiming Jesus. So, so that's why we talk about it all the time. Now, I, I never like to say how many people have become Christians. And the reason I don't like to say that is because I believe the parable of the soils. You know, you don't know over time. Uh, uh, and it's, it takes a while to work out and, and evangelism is hard work sometimes a person has to hang around hearing the bible hearing the gospel for a year or two years some people become a christian like that others it takes a long time uh, but even so i want to share with you this year we've run the life course five times across the parish so including over at bexley north five times which was a massive effort and i just want to say i am so thankful to god for all the people who are involved in running the life, who are part of the life team, just I thank God for you. I won't name you if you're here, but thank you. Uh, but even now, two weeks to go, last course of the year, 62 guests have come to the life course. Isn't that amazing? And I'm not, I'm not talking, that doesn't include people from church who've come, you know, that's, that's loads of people. But uh, 62 people who have come because they've been invited by a member of St. George North to come and hear the gospel. 62 people who don't know Jesus, who've come and heard about Jesus. And let me tell you, the life course is very, it's not, you know, pussyfooting around. It just sets out the gospel. So they have heard about Jesus. Now, why am I so excited about that? Because I know from my own experience, for one person to come, I've had to invite five. Now, I don't know what the actual number is, but if 62 people have come, I would think it's five times that, six times that, seven times that have been invited and then ten times that have been prayed for. See, doesn't, isn't that one? If you think about that, you know, there, there might have been, if, if that's true that three or four hundred people have been invited for 62 to come to the life course, that's what excites me. That's what I love because that says to me that many St. George North members, you, are on board. You're on about proclaiming Jesus and that is what I love uh, and wonderful, isn't it wonderful that then God uses that to see people come to faith in Christ. Even more excitingly, sorry if I'm going up and up, but even more excitingly, of those 62, and uh, obviously not including the course that hasn't finished, 21 people have carried on investigating Jesus at our Mortal Life course. Isn't that wonderful? So 62 people come along, but 21 have kept investigating. And of those, I'm actually aware of a good number who have made a commitment to follow Jesus. In fact, I heard about someone only a couple of weeks ago at our 6.30 service. Isn't that wonderful? Isn't that wonderful? Gosh, if you don't say I'm into that, that, that's what it's all about, isn't it? That's what it's all about. Let's crack out of our Australian conservatism and show some excitement. Now, I just share those couple of highlights just to encourage you. God is at work. 
in your church. God is at work through the preaching of his gospel. People are hearing about Jesus. People are being saved. People are growing as disciples of Jesus. And praise God, that is happening because people like you are using your gifts to serve Jesus. So I want you to be encouraged. I hope you remember what we study at church, but uh, when we were studying 1 Peter, and I remember in our gospel, so just this little passage jumped out at me at the time, and I actually made a point to, uh, to come back to it later in the year, and now is coming back to it. And the reason is, uh, it really captures the theme I just want to briefly explore today, which is how much the Christian life is about glorifying God in the ordinary things. Uh, and I think this passage really captures that. So come with me, come to verse 7. Uh, And it starts off and it says, now the end of all things is near. Now that is a far from ordinary statement. That is a uh, a massive statement. Uh, That is that incredible truth that Jesus is coming back in glory to judge the living and the dead. This world will not go on forever. God has a appointed a time when Jesus will return. Now that is actually, um, interestingly, been a massive theme of just about every book of the Bible we've looked at at church this year, both in gospel teams and here at church on a Sunday. Uh, back in Matthew's gospel at the start of the year, 1 Peter certainly, Hebrews, even 2 Kings, this truth that we live in the end times. And the reason it's been a massive theme in all those books is because it is actually a massive theme of the whole Bible and especially the New Testament. Uh, that truth that we live in the end times, I think, is the most important truth we need to know if we are going to understand what it is to live as a Christian. To be a Christian is to be someone who is waiting for Jesus to return. That's what it is, to be a Christian. Jesus has done everything he needs to do in his first coming. He's he's died for your sins. He's risen to defeat death once and for all. And so now Jesus can return at any moment in glory. There's nothing else that needs to happen for Jesus to return. We're not, we're not waiting for some other event. In fact, the only reason Jesus hasn't returned, the scriptures give us, is to allow the gospel to be preached and more people to come to repentance and trust in Jesus and find salvation. And so to live as a Christian is to live in the light of the fact that we do not believe this world will go on forever. To live as a Christian is to live in the light of the fact that Jesus is returning. So what do we do while we wait? Well, what we do is we live for God's glory. That's what we do. That's how it puts at the end of our little passage, go down to the end of verse 11, to live so that God may be glorified through Jesus Christ in everything. To him belong the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. So you see, because Jesus is returning, we live for the glory of God. But what does that look like? What does it look like to live as someone glorifying God while we wait for Jesus to return? It can sound like it means something massive. And some people will do massive things to glorify God while we wait for Jesus to return. Some people will get on a plane and take the gospel to a part of the world where no one has ever heard about Jesus before. Some people will preach the gospel to to crowds of thousands in, in football stadiums. But what I find really interesting in the New Testament Uh, And what struck me in this little passage is that it doesn't say, as you wait for Jesus to return, to glorify God, go and find something massive to do. Instead, living to glorify God while we wait for Jesus expresses itself for most of us in really ordinary ways. Look back at the passage. 
He says, now the end of all things is near. And so what are we to do? He doesn't say, go and plan a new church, though I pray some of you will. He doesn't say, go and sign up as a CMS missionary to Mongolia, though I pray some of you might. It doesn't say those things. It just talks about three really ordinary things. It says, therefore, one, devote yourself to prayer. Two, love your church family. Three, use your gifts to serve. So firstly, devote yourself to prayer. Look at verse 9 again. It says, therefore, be serious and disciplined for prayer. If we are living, waiting for Jesus to return and so living for God's glory, actually the best thing you can do is pray. Pray for God to work in people's lives. Pray for God's will to be done. Uh, But do you notice there how it talks about being serious and disciplined for prayer? The Bible is not naive. It takes effort to pray. Most of us struggle to pray. I think often Christians sit in church and they think everyone else finds prayer easy and it's only them that struggles. I want to say to you, if you're the person who finds prayer easy, it's actually everyone else who's different to you. You're the unusual one. You're usual, you're ordinary if you struggle to pray and especially if you struggle to form good habits of prayer. We're easily distracted. Very, very few Christians pray naturally. Most of us struggle. So he says, be serious about it. Be disciplined about it. Devote yourself to prayer. But then secondly, love your church family. Look at verse 8. He says, above all, is it verse 8? Yes. Above all, maintain an intense love for each other, since love covers a multitude of sins. The each other there is your Christian brothers and sisters, your church family. And again, it is so ordinary but it is so profound. What are we to do to glorify God as we wait for Jesus? Pray and love each other. So simple, isn't it? Pray and love each other. Do you notice how it puts in the word intense love there or earnest love? Maintain an earnest love for each other. It's a real sense again of effort, of, of commitment. This is why God's word is so adamant that we must meet with our brothers and sisters in Christ. Because how can you love people who you are not meeting with? That we build one another up. That's why it's so adamant that we care for one another, that we use our gifts in the service of one another, that we share our lives with one another. Those are the exhortations that God's word gives us. And that's where verse 9 comes in. Look there, where Christians practice hospitality. We have one another in our homes because this is our family. What does it mean there when it says that love covers a multitude of sins? I mean, Christ's love covers a multitude of sins, doesn't it? Because he pays the price for our sin, we know that. That's not what this is talking about here. Uh, I think it's just saying if you seek to love one another, it's amazing how much sin is averted. If you just have the attitude, I am wanting to love each other, I'm wanting to love my brothers and sisters in Christ, it's amazing how much sin is avoided. See, when you respond with forgiveness instead of hate, when a harsh word is met by grace rather than by retaliation, when gossip is met with silence rather than more gossip, love puts an end to sin in so many ways. But my point again is it's so ordinary. I want you to see this. What are you going to do to glorify God while you wait for Jesus to return? Well, at the very least, commit yourself to prayer and love this church family that God has given you. Anyone can do that. It's so simple. And then thirdly, use your gifts to serve. Look from verse 10. It says, based on the gift each one has received, use it to serve others as good managers of the varied grace of God. 
There is a reason that serving together is so central to our church's vision statement. It's because it is so central to what God says the Christian life is all about. We are here to use the gifts that God has given each of us to serve one another and to serve God together. Uh, Do you notice there how it talks about being a good manager of the varied grace of God? What what it's saying is, is God gives different gifts to different people. We're not all alike. We're actually very different. Some have gifts in this area, some in this area. The point is to be a good manager is to use the gifts God has given you to serve. But again, I want you to see, do you see how ordinary it is? Because it sounds so massive to, to glorify God through Jesus Christ in everything sounds so massive that the end is near, that, that Christ is coming, and it is massive. It's the most important news in all of history. But then for us, it plays out in how you do the ordinary things. And not just in the life of the church. How do you glorify God at home? Well, it's in the way you treat your family with love and grace rather than harshness. How do you glorify God in your workplace? Well, it's as you get on with living a quiet life, as the Apostle Paul talks about it, faithful in all the small decisions. So much of glorifying God is actually how we do the small things, the ordinary things, the the mundane things. At our men's night a few weeks ago, our speaker said, the secret to being a godly man is really simple. He said, 90% of it is just turning up. 90% is just turning up. Whether he made up the 90% doesn't matter. But his point was, it's just persevering in doing the ordinary faithful things. So as we talk about what we're on about, glorifying God by proclaiming Jesus, growing disciples and serving together, those things can sound like massive things. But actually it happens through us doing these ordinary things. You see, how does God grow his church? Sometimes, once in a while, he uses the the Billy Grahams of the world. But generally, how does God grow his church? It's through people just loving one another. And then people inviting a friend to come and hear about Jesus. And then the other Christians smiling at that friend when they come and welcoming them. And then when they come a week later, remembering their name and including... This is unusual in our world. I talk about ordinary things. They're extraordinary in our world that doesn't know Jesus. See, the key to us glorifying God is not so much great programs and ministries, though that's really important. It's ordinary Christians being gripped by the gospel and living to glorify God in the ordinary ways. It's every one of us committing ourselves to prayer. It's every one of us just quietly sharing Jesus with our friends and our family. It's every one of us speaking the word of truth in love to one another as we grow together as disciples. It's every one of us using our gifts to grow the body of Christ. These should just be the ordinary things for us, I think. But how wonderful that we can do these ordinary things to glorify God as we wait for Jesus to return. Well, now I want to look ahead to next year. What are some ways we will have the opportunity in 2023 to glorify God as we wait for Jesus to return? Well, the first thing I want to pick up on what I've just said, let's commit ourselves to prayer for our church. Isn't that the best thing we can ever do? Every Christian agrees it's the best thing we can ever do. Do we really believe it? I am conscious how many of us struggle with establishing good habits of Bible reading and prayer. Uh, I'm conscious of that because it's the same for all Christians, as I said before. It's funny how even that encouragement in our passage to devote ourselves to prayer can create guilt. Because we all want to do it, but it's amazing how most of us struggle to do it. 
Well, next year as we start the year, we want a major focus to be helping every member of St. George North to develop good devotional habits, good habits of daily Bible reading and prayer. And I want to share something with you on that. Now, do you know the most excited I've been in a long time, you might think I have a very unexciting life, but the most excited I've been in a long time was a couple of weeks ago when Kev Stepniewski, our children's minister, shared with me how he's been working with about 30 people from our 6.30 church on a simple system to set good prayer and Bible reading habits. So he started with them a couple of months ago, 30, about 30 people. And from what Kevin has said, nearly every one of those 30 people has introduced Bible reading and prayer into their life and has grown in it. That's pretty amazing, isn't it? That's the, in fact, I think that's more amazing than just about anything else. And this has been a bit of a pilot program that, uh, that Kev has, has sort of introduced, but it's been so good, we actually want to invite everyone in the church to benefit from it next year. So we're actually going to make Term 1 next year uh, a focus on helping every person in our church develop good Bible reading and prayer habits. And if you're someone who doesn't yet have those good habits, be involved as we start next year. Second thing. Let's commit ourselves to loving our church family. It was so wonderful to hear those stories before because that's, that's what it's about. Uh, commit yourself to sharing your life with your brothers and sisters in Christ. Commit yourself to fellowship each Sunday and in your gospel team during the week. But commit yourself beyond that to sharing your life with your brothers and sisters in Christ. On a, on a big scale, there is a key date to get in your diary now. Uh, so many people have been asking, will we finally have the big day out again next year? And the answer is yes, God willing, we will. So please lock in your diary, Saturday the 11th of March. Can you, if, you get, if you're a phone diary person, put in your calendar now, tell your cousin you, they've got to change their wedding date. If it's on that day, I don't, I don't care. People think I'm joking when I say this, uh, but I'm not. Uh, if you're a member of St. George North, you come to the big day out. Because it's how we encourage all the other congregations and fellowships. You see, it's how we say, we're in this together. We're in a partnership in what we're doing. Let's be encouraged by one another. And for those who don't know, the big day is when all of St. George North Cross, all our congregations, comes together to encourage one another with what God has done and what God is doing right across the parish. So we're planning that for the 11th of March next year. Set aside the whole day in your diary. We haven't been able to do it for three to four years. So we really want every SNAC member to make that an absolute priority. Put it in your calendar now and we'll have the chance to register in the next couple of weeks. And I just want to stress this, that day is such a key part of our church life because you've got to remember, sometimes we're unaware of the good things God is doing and some people are sitting there thinking, nothing, is anything good happening? What's, what's going on? This is where we come together and hear, look at the wonderful things that are happening amongst our youth. Look at the things happening amongst our children. Look at the things happening in evangelism, whatever it is. So please lock it in. Third thing, Let's commit ourselves to serving our Lord and our brothers and sisters at church like God wants us to. It's amazing how much the New Testament focuses on how every one of us has been given gifts and how those gifts are given to us to use to build up the body of Christ, our church family. Uh, Here is my dream for 2023, that every member of 9am, and don't worry, I'm going to say every member of 10.30 in an hour, and I'm going to say, you know... (laughs) But every member of 9am would be serving as a part of at least one serving team here at church. So I don't, I don't mean just occasionally on a roster. I mean that every member of 9am who knows and loves Jesus, 
you're investigating the gospel, I just want you to come to know Jesus. But every member of 9am would be serving in a meaningful way with other people in the life of our church. It might be a kids ministry team, might be a youth ministry team, might be gospel team leading, uh, might be the team that helps drive the life course, uh, the English for Life team on a Friday morning, the music team. Need more people to be using their gifts in that. Might be a team providing admin support during the week because God blesses us all with different gifts. Might be the sound team or the PowerPoint team. How essential are they? The welcoming team. I'm hoping, or Mike is hoping, more than me, we'll have a 9am hospitality team. And I've left off plenty of others for sure. In the next little while, well, we're going to be trying to build more of these teams so that every person can serve in that sort of a meaningful way uh, early in 2023, we want to ask every person to prayerfully consider what gifts has God given you? What, what team or teams could you be a part of? How can you serve? And because we want to do this well, we're giving this area of our church life some fresh new energy. Part of Jana's role next year uh, going forward is to help people think these questions through. So be ready for Jana to contact you and, and talk about that. Uh, but for now... I just want to say, let's commit to glorifying God in these ordinary ways. I hope you're incredibly encouraged. I hope you're encouraged by what I've said, but I hope you're even more encouraged by what all those people shared today. Because that's what it's about. It's about people using our ordinary selves, our gifts God has given us, to glorify God. And so as we approach next year, let's commit to growing in prayer. Let's commit to loving our church family. And let's commit to using our gifts to serve God and serve one another which to me sounds like a great plan for 2023.